As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, August 13th, 2018. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, is Google tracking you even when you tell it not to? Big executive departure at Netflix. Elon Musk expounds on taking Tesla private. And how machine learning can identify developers simply by the way they code. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. The AP has run an investigation and found that some Google apps on Android and iOS automatically store your timestamped location even when the location history setting is paused. Quote, Google says that will prevent the company from remembering where you've been. Google's support page on the subject states, you can turn off location history at any time. With location history off, the places you go are no longer stored. That isn't true. Even with location history paused, some Google apps automatically store timestamped location data without asking. For example, Google stores a snapshot of where you are when you merely open its Maps app. Automatic daily weather updates on Android phones pinpoint roughly where you are. And some searches that have nothing to do with location, like chocolate chip cookies or kids' science kits, pinpoint your precise latitude and longitude, accurate to the square foot, and save it to your Google account, end quote. A Google spokesperson told the Associated Press, quote, there are a number of different ways that Google may use location to improve people's experience, including location history, web and app activity, and through device-level location services. We provide clear descriptions of these tools and robust controls so people can turn them on or off and delete their histories at any time, end quote. Netflix announced this morning that its longtime chief financial officer, David Wells, will be stepping down from his role after more than a decade. Quote, it's been a wonderful 14 years at Netflix, and I'm very proud of everything we've accomplished, Wells said in a statement about his plans. After discussing my desire to make a change with Reed, we agreed that with Netflix's strong financial position and exciting growth plans, this is the right time for us to help identify the next financial leader for the company. Personally, I intend my next chapter to focus more on philanthropy, and I like big challenges, but I'm not sure yet what that looks like, end quote. Wells and Netflix say that he will be involved in helping the company pick a successor to the CFO position. Sometimes I hesitate to talk about executive job changes, but I think this one is particularly noteworthy because Netflix is such a phenomenon, and Wells was so key to Netflix's success. When Wells first stepped into the CFO position, Netflix was still a DVD-by-mail company. The big headlines at the time were competition with Blockbuster. Streaming didn't even begin until three years into Wells' tenure, so not only was Wells instrumental in the transition to the company and business model we think of when we talk about Netflix today, but he also oversaw the company's expansion to 190 countries around the world. And the fact that 10 years ago, it was all about licensing content from Hollywood studios, but now Netflix can spend billions of dollars each year to produce its own content. Wells is the guy that made that happen, financially speaking. In a statement, CEO Reed Hastings said, David has been a valuable partner to Netflix and to me. 
He skillfully managed our finances during a phase of dramatic growth that has allowed us to create and bring amazing entertainment to our members all over the world, while also delivering outstanding returns to our investors. I look forward to working with him during the transition as we identify a new CFO who will help us continue to pursue our ambitious goals. New laptop to lust over alert. Lenovo has announced the ultra-thin ThinkPad P1 with a 15.6-inch 4K display, Intel's 8th-generation Xeon CPUs, up to 64 gigabytes of RAM, and up to 4 terabytes of SSD storage, all in a carbon fiber chassis. Pricing starts at $1,949 and will begin shipping in late August. So this is a beast of a laptop, but by using carbon fiber, Lenovo kept the weight down to 3.76 pounds, which is super impressive for a 15-inch laptop. It also comes in at only 7 tenths of an inch thick. In comparison, the 15-inch MacBook Pro is slightly thinner, but it comes in at over 4 pounds. And this bad boy Lenovo has two Thunderbolt 3 ports, two USB 3.1 Type-A connectors, an HDMI 2 output, a card reader, webcam, fingerprint scanner, and TRRS audio port. This was just announced today, so there are no reviews of the laptop yet, but Anand Tech calls it one of the thinnest and lightest laptops of its class on the market today. Interesting little tidbit from Wired, which has a piece up about how Researchers can now use machine learning techniques to determine who wrote a bit of code with something like 90% accuracy. It's sort of like how for years people have been able to occasionally figure out the author of a piece of writing by comparing it to other things they've written, turns of phrase, word choice, that sort of thing. Well, researchers can now do a similar thing by looking at code you've written and then go out into the world and find other code likely written by you based on your coding ticks habits, and picadillos. Quote, for example, in a 2017 paper, Kaliskan Greenstat and two other researchers demonstrated that even small snippets of code on the repository site GitHub can be enough to differentiate one coder from another with a high degree of accuracy. Most impressively, Kaliskan and a team of other researchers showed in a separate paper that it's possible to de-anonymize a programmer using only their compiled binary code. After a developer finishes writing a section of code, a program called a compiler turns it into a series of ones and zeros that can be read by a machine called binary. To humans, it mostly looks like nonsense. Kaliskan and the other researchers she worked with can decompile the binary back into the C++ programming language while preserving elements of a developer's unique style. Imagine you wrote a paper and used Google Translate to transform it into another language. While the text might seem completely different... Elements of how you write are still embedded in traits like your syntax. The same holds true for code, end quote. So the idea that you can throw anonymous code out into the world might be a thing of the past. An update on the taking Tesla private saga from the man himself, Elon Musk, in a blog post titled, Update on Taking Tesla Private said that it is the Saudis that he was referring to when he tweeted about funding being secured for his goal of taking the company private. Quoting Elon himself, 
Going back almost two years, the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund has approached me multiple times about taking Tesla private. They first met with me at the beginning of 2017 to express this interest because of the important need to diversify away from oil. They then held several additional meetings with me over the next year to reiterate this interest and to try to move forward with a going private transaction. Obviously, the Saudi Sovereign Fund has more than enough capital needed to execute on such a transaction. Recently, after the Saudi fund bought almost 5% of Tesla stock through the public markets, they reached out to ask for another meeting. That meeting took place on July 31st. During the meeting, the managing director of the fund expressed regret that I had not moved forward previously on a going private transaction with them, and he strongly expressed his support for funding a going private transaction for Tesla at this time. I understood from him that no other decision makers were needed and that they were eager to proceed. I left the July 31st meeting with no question that a deal with the Saudi Sovereign Fund could be closed and that it was just a matter of getting the process moving. This is why I referred to funding secured in the August 7th announcement, end quote. Elon says he has continued discussions with the director of the Saudi fund. He clarifies that most of the capital required for going private would be funded by equity, not by debt. So this would not be a standard leveraged buyout structure. He therefore debates the assertion that $70 billion would be the price tag needed to make this happen. Elon says talks are ongoing and a special committee of the board is being set up to pursue them. He expects that when a formal proposal is ready, it will be presented to Tesla shareholders for a vote. As CNBC's Steve Kovach tweeted, quote, Musk took six days to clarify that funding secured actually means the funding was not secured. But, of course, this means we get to have a debate over the definition of secured. If Musk's definition is ongoing talks with Saudis, then that clarification probably should have come last week, not six days later. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse. That laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage 
to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. Obviously, the Trump administration's relationship with China is complicated. The trade war that seems to be bubbling up has its roots in lots of causes. But from a tech perspective, a lot of it has to do with anxiety over which country has control of the networks and the technology that most people can see will be foundational to the global economy going forward 20, 30, even 50 years. And this is especially true, as I've said before, with 5G technology. 5G is such a leap forward in speed, bandwidth, and just capabilities that it's easy to imagine that it will be the structural underpinning of whatever the economy will become, It will power everything from self-driving cars to banking to run-of-the-mill commerce. So the greatest anxiety that some in Washington have is that the U.S. will fall behind countries like China in 5G. It's like how hundreds of years ago people measured the strength of a country's development based on the number of miles of railroad a given country had. The U.S. increasingly fears that it's falling behind in 5G, the crucial infrastructure that new economies will be built on. And there's a report published by Deloitte that brings these fears into stark relief. Quoting from CNBC's article about this report, Since 2015, China has outspent the U.S. by $24 billion in 5G infrastructure, Deloitte's study found. China has built 350,000 new cell sites, while the U.S. has built fewer than 30,000 in the same time frame. Deloitte's report noted that China plans hundreds of billions of dollars in 5G-related spend. And it could be tougher for the U.S. to match China on investment. Deloitte estimated that the equipment necessary to add a carrier in China costs about 35% less than the U.S., suggesting that Washington would need to spend 2.67 times the amount that China does to generate an equivalent amount of wireless network capacity. China and other countries may be creating a 5G tsunami, making it near impossible to catch up, Deloitte said in its report, end quote. A separate report by HIS Market estimated that by 2035, 5G technology could enable as much as $12.3 trillion in global economic output. For years now, hackers have been trying to raise the alarm about how easy it is to hack electronic voting machines. Well, the DEF CON hacker conference is going on in Las Vegas right now, and the hackers are trying to raise the alarm again. Quote, this weekend saw the 26th annual DEF CON gathering. It was the second time the convention has featured a voting village 
where organizers set up decommissioned election equipment and watch hackers find creative and alarming ways to break in. Last year, conference attendees found new vulnerabilities for all five voting machines, catching the attention of both senators introducing legislation and the general public. This year's voting village was bigger in every way, with equipment ranging from voting machines to tabulators to smart card readers, all currently in use in the U.S. In a room set aside for kid hackers, an 11-year-old girl hacked a replica of the Florida Secretary of State's website within 10 minutes and changed the results, end quote. Apparently, on some of these voting machines, hacking requires no special tools and can be done in under two minutes. Campaign finance lawyer and former speechwriter to Jack Kemp, one Mr. Robert Kellner, wrote on Twitter, quote, I've said it many times, and I know some other election lawyers who agree. The move to electronic voting after Bush v. Gore was a colossal mistake. Bring back the mechanical voting booths. Meantime, airgap and denetwork all current electronic voting systems, end quote. In a slightly related story, on early Saturday morning around 1 or 2 a.m. at the Link Casino across the street from Caesars Palace, where DEFCON takes place, dozens of slot machines on the casino floor all went down simultaneously. Conference attendees gleefully shared pictures of the seemingly dead machines on social media. Mashable, which reported on this story, said that the silence on the casino floor from all of the slot machines going dark all at once was eerie. And I found this quote from Mashable's piece pretty funny. A Link spokesperson told us the casino is investigating the incident, and while the cause isn't yet known, he said they viewed the outage coinciding with one of the world's largest hacker conventions happening literally across the street as, quote, purely coincidental. And that's all for today. I've been your host, Brian McCullough. Follow me on Twitter at BrianMCC. My thanks to the TechMeme editors for finding and organizing all the stories we talk about every day. Follow them on Twitter at TechMeme to get tech news headlines in real time. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>